You are listening to Pandora's Box Radio with Kalia LaRoche. For more information about my products and services, counseling, coaching, hypnotherapy, books, and audios, please visit NarcissismFree.com or PathBackToSelf.com. Hello and welcome to Pandora's Box. This is Kalia. And today the topic of our podcast is when the truth comes out. And this is really about the Gabby Petito story interwoven into the podcast. Now I don't watch the news. I don't have cable television. But I do watch YouTube, and recently the story of Gabby Petito caught my attention. And I'm not sure why her story pulled me in. Usually I'm not that interested in all the crime that happens around the country. It's pretty depressing. But what what it was that initially pulled me in was the headlines about a van lifer disappearing, somebody who was living the van life. And since I've lived the van life myself, taken long journeys in my van, um, and now I'm traveling in a truck and camper, even as we speak, I'm always interested in what's going on with other people that are out on the road. So I started following the story. It didn't take my getting too far into the story before I realized what was happening. Gabby Petito was a 22-year-old young woman traveling with her fiancé, Brian Laundrie, across country in a van. And they were pulled over by police while going over the speed limit and hitting a curb, which caused the police to believe there might be alcohol involved. But when they pulled them over, they realized it wasn't alcohol, but a domestic quarrel that was going on. So the two were separated for the night after the police spent time talking to each one of them. The two were also seen fighting on another occasion, and then shortly afterwards, Gabby Petito disappeared. Um, the last that she was heard from, as far as her family, her mother goes, was in the Grand Tetons. So Brian Laundrie showed up back in Florida, his hometown, with Gabby's van, but Gabby wasn't with him. Her mother hadn't heard from her for over 10 days and became very concerned. Brian Laundrie immediately secured a lawyer as soon as he got home and chose to remain silent about the matter. The police identified Brian Laundrie as a person of interest. Yeah, think. And then he disappeared. Gabby's body was found near the Grand Teton National Park where they were last known to be. And at the time of this podcast, they just found out that her death, they did a uh, autopsy. They're still working on that right now, but they found out it was indeed a homicide and Brian Laundrie is still missing. Gabby was starting a blog about their cross-country travels and had an Instagram account where she posted many different photos of their journey, which I understand has been taken down 
the father talked about it being taken down, and he doesn't know why or who took it down. Outwardly, they seem to be a lovely couple, and if you just looked at the photos, they seem to be very much in love. In fact, Gabby's father says Brian called Gabby the love of his life. The father had no reason to believe anything different. They seemed very much in love and were engaged to be married. So, what happened? Well, the first thing that happened is the two started to spend 24-7 in a small van together, which will bring out the true personality of an individual faster than anything. As someone who's traveled by myself in a van, I can tell you that spending that much time with myself without the distraction of other people can bring up the shadow. It brings up a lot for us to work through. And it's actually a really good way to get to know yourself on many levels. It's a great way to become your own best friend. So I, I got very comfortable with traveling alone and really was enjoying my own company quite a lot. But one summer I took a journey with my boyfriend at the time and I saw a side of him I didn't realize was there. And of course, he blamed me for his dark side coming out. And when I began to see it emerge, I suggested that we go home. He got very angry at the suggestion, and I realized his biggest concern was the failure of our mission to spend two months on the road. He didn't want to appear to have failed to, to his friends and to his social group. That seemed to be his biggest concern is what are people going to think? Well, I didn't care how it appeared to my friends. I always was open and honest with my friends about what was going on, and I wouldn't hesitate to talk about it. I continued on the journey, really against what I wanted, my own better judgment. I was really in a space of not knowing what to do. I was confused, and at one point we were out in the middle of nowhere in the National Forest when he got angry at me, out of the blue, for something that had nothing to do with reality, and it resulted in him shoving me, and I kind of flew across the trailer that we were in and uh, caused me to fall down and to be hurt. And this is probably why I was so disturbed by Gabby's story, is Brian may not have intentionally set out to kill her. It might have just been a moment of rage, like the one I experienced with my ex-boyfriend, which resulted in my flying across the trailer. If I had fallen in such a way where I hit my head hard on something or I broke my neck, I could have had the same fate as Gabby. So as I reflect back on this incident that happened, I get a really sick feeling in my stomach. It was the summer I think of as a dark summer and one that I will never forget. I truly understand what can happen when two people hit the road and spend 24-7 together in a confined space with all the stresses of traveling. It can bring out the absolute worst in people. And in the case of Gabby and Brian, there's no darkness worse than murder. When you see Brian in the video, he seems like a nice enough guy. But as the story unfolds, one of Gabby's friends comes forward and tells us that Brian was actually controlling, possessive, and jealous. And 
there was increasing tension between the two. When the police pulled them over, Gabby took most of the responsibility for what was going on for the fighting, saying that uh, she had a really bad OCD and she was really stressed. And ironically, her father said he didn't know her to have OCD or to be somebody that was particularly stressed out. She was a pretty happy girl. She liked things to be clean and organized, but he wouldn't call it OCD. Perhaps somebody put that idea in her head that she had OCD and it led her to believe that this was the problem. Brian Laundrie may have been infatuated or obsessed with Gabby, but I can tell you right now he did not love her. There's no love to this story. Even if Gabby's death was accidental, he wouldn't have just left her there and driven home to secure an attorney. He wouldn't have remained silent, leaving her body to be eaten by predators in the wild. He wouldn't have left her family in extreme distress, wondering what happened to their daughter. The image that was painted of the couple was one of happiness and adventure. They seemed so happy. They seemed to be so in love. They seemed to be having a really wonderful time on their trip. So. Isn't this an example of how things are not always what they seem? And this is one of the points I really want to drive home for you all is that we can put on one face to the world and behind closed doors there's something else entirely going on. Gabby was not behaving the way Brian thought she should. She wanted things clean and organized and she was spending too much time working on her blog and not giving him enough attention. Perhaps her anxiety was increasing with the tension between them and his growing disappointment in her. I know this feeling personally. Maybe she tried to make him happy, jump through his hoops to please him. I know this dynamic very well too. We'll never know exactly what happened behind closed van doors, but we can speculate and we can sum up that Brian Laundrie took it too far. Once she was dead, he obviously decided he would just go home and not talk about it. How convenient for him. What I find really interesting is how the news media and the police seem to have trivialized Brian's role in Gabby's disappearance, well, at least in the beginning. I suppose this comes with needing to hold out hope that she would be found alive and it also has to do with the way the law works. We have to presume one to be innocent until proven guilty. So they didn't want to put too much uh, weight on the possibility that Brian was guilty in her disappearance, let alone murder. But the moment I heard this story, I saw the whole picture unfolding in my head. I could see it. You could say I have an overactive imagination or that I have way too much experience and a super strong intuition. One thing that really disturbs me about this story is that this could have been any of our story. Any one of us who have ever been with an abusive narcissist have experienced the narcissist in our lives going too far. We've experienced the rages 
too far can mean a lot of different things to different people because everybody's experience is, is unique to them. Going too far might be the affair that they had. It might have been one too many physically abusive incidences. It might have been something the narcissist did or said that was over the top. But when we're with a narcissist, we know what it's like to have the person we believe loves us show us behavior that would suggest that love doesn't have anything to do with it. And yet we all still want to believe that it's love. We want to believe that person underneath it all really loves us. The Petito story also helps us to realize that things are not as they appear to be. I hear so many stories of the narcissist in someone's life immediately getting into another relationship and start posting all these happy photos all over social media. Well, let the story of Gabby and Brian be an excellent example that behind those smiling faces, there could very well be a whole different reality. I'm not saying that this is always the case, but so often it is. We can all smile for the camera. We can all pretend to be happy and in love. And the main lesson I want to drive home with you all today is that what we often confuse as love is not love at all. We have to dig deep within ourselves to understand our own tendency to romanticize the darkness in others. We also have to look at our own tendency, maybe as codependents, to protect our abusers and to blame ourselves. As long as we are taking responsibility for the bad behavior of others, believing them when they tell us it's our fault that they're behaving this way, we may ignore the truth and the red flags. We need to remain aware and see those red flags because they're warning signs. They're signs of danger. And none of us really know how deep down the rabbit hole we can go with that danger. I've had people call me before that felt they were in extreme danger. They felt if they tried to leave, they would be killed. And these are some really more extreme cases. I don't get that kind of a um, vibe very often, but sometimes I do. We can tell ourselves stories about how the person we love had a difficult childhood and is just wounded, but we all have to understand that almost all narcissists and sociopaths are wounded, and most of us who've polarized to the codependent side of the spectrum are also wounded. Being wounded doesn't excuse our behavior. Being wounded doesn't give us the right to wound others. We have to watch the tendency in ourselves also to feel sorry for others to the point where we excuse bad behavior, especially when the person who's behaving in dark and destructive ways won't take any responsibility for their behavior. Instead, they make it about you and what you're doing wrong. And I say this to anyone who's ever been emotionally, verbally, or physically abused by someone you love. It wasn't your fault. You didn't do anything wrong. 
There's never an acceptable reason to hurt someone else. And if you're the one who is hurting the one that you say you love by being verbally, emotionally, or physically abusive, you can't blame that a person for your behavior. We all need to take responsibility for our own behavior. And if we're feeling out of control and doing or saying things that are destructive, we ourselves need to regroup to get help. We need to understand our own triggers and learn how to take responsibility for them. Let Gabby's story be a warning to you that you don't know what level of darkness is within a narcissist in your life. You may say, oh, he would never do that or she would never do that. But I've heard my clients use the word never on many occasions when the thing they said he or she would never do, they turn around and did. We may believe we know someone, but perhaps we really don't know them at all. Now, I'm talking about people with obvious abusive and destructive behavior here. I'm not trying to introduce fear into anyone who has a relationship that's relatively good where there are no signs of verbal, emotional, or physical violence. What I am saying is that if you are experiencing verbal, emotional, or physical violence in your relationship, or you feel your relationship is destabilizing you or making you feel crazy, don't ignore these signs. Don't assume it's going to automatically get better or that that person's going to recognize that they're doing something wrong or abusive. In my experience, personally and professionally, it only gets worse, especially if the abusive person takes no responsibility for the abuse and projects it all onto you. If you're the one being blamed for the other's rage or destructive behavior, please know that on some level your abuser believes it's your fault. It may not make one iota of sense to you, but if you're the one being blamed, that person may feel justified in doing anything from cheating on you to physically abusing you. And in most cases, once that person has crossed the line and becomes abusive, it will only get worse. You become the target for their aggressions. The abuser believes you are the one to blame for the dark feelings within them. And the only way to escape this dynamic is to get out of the relationship. If you have difficulty getting out of a toxic relationship because you believe you love the person and that person loves you, then I would recommend that you get some kind of therapy to work through your romanticizing of toxic behavior. Maybe after a huge fight in which you were abused, there's some really hot sex and you end up remembering the hot sex more than you do the abuse. Many of my clients remember the hot sex more than anything else when they're trying to get over a narcissistically abusive relationship. They interpret that sex as true love and connection. And it keeps so many people hooked into a toxic dynamic where there's no true love present. 
It's easy for us to interpret a hot sex life as signs that you have a great connection, especially when there's so much information circulating out there talking about the importance of a good sex life in a relationship. What we need to realize is that sex and love don't always go together. How many people do you know who have had casual relationships where they don't really care anything for the other person? How many people have affairs with someone where the sex is hot but they aren't going to leave their primary relationship for that person because it isn't about love, it's about sex. So we need to be very careful not to confuse sex with love. They don't automatically go together. If you've had sexual abuse in your childhood, you likely received a lot of confusing messages about what sex means or what it is. You may have learned to confuse sex with love, but when there is rape, molestation, child abuse, and even date rape, a rape coming from an intimate romantic partner, love has nothing to do with it. It's perversion. Sexual fantasy is also a big part of a highly charged relationship, but we need to learn to separate fantasy from reality. We can live our life in fantasy, and it may be blissful in the beginning, but in the end, it's just a fantasy, and it can become very dark. Keep in mind that in most narcissistic relationships, they're built on fantasy. The narcissist idealizes you in the beginning, which is a romantic fantasy on steroids. It could be hot and exciting to be idealized in such a way. It may feed your own fantasies of wanting to be seen as beautiful, smart, and even perfect. It may appease fears of abandonment and rejection because if somebody's that crazy about you, he or she would never reject you or leave you, right? Wrong. I'm going to emphasize the crazy here. The idealization phase of a relationship is only temporary. And where a narcissist is concerned, when the idealization phase ends, it's going to be your fault. You will be the disappointment. You will have done or said something or not done something or in some way failed to be perfect. And there's a price to pay for disappointing a narcissist. Forget trying to get back into the good graces of a narcissist. Do you think that Gabby might have tried to get back into Brian's good graces? She blamed herself for the fight. She apologized to him for being difficult. She took the responsibility. If we are to go deeper down the narcissistic rabbit hole, we will find that the narcissist attaches a lot of hope to the new relationship to save them from their own dark feelings. Unconsciously, they project a savior onto the object of their desire. And when that person fails to save them from their own dark feelings, they get angry at the object of their desire. That person failed to rescue them, failed to save them. So they feel all this rage, which has been there most of their life, and they take that rage out on their target. In their psychosis, they believe that the object of their desire, or rather their fantasy partner, is to blame for how they themselves feel. 
at the time they're unable to use critical thinking and realize that they have had these feelings most of their life so it can't be this new person's fault that they're feeling that way because the narcissist is acting and reacting from emotion they're not in a space of critical thinking they're reacting to their disappointment that the object of their desire has failed them failed to be what they wanted them to be or needed them to be once the narcissist has been disappointed and you failed to be their savior it's very difficult to resurrect that illusion again there may be some on and off backward forward in the earlier stages of the relationship but eventually you'll always be the one to blame for their dark feelings you are devalued and as a result punished for your failure to save them from themselves this is a personality disorder so it's not going to make any sense it's very disordered so I, I want to remind you of the three C's of codependency I did a podcast on this if you didn't listen to it I recommend it so the three C's of codependency is you didn't cause it you can't control it and you can't cure it this isn't your fault and the best thing you can do to save yourself is to get out while you still can. No amount of projecting your own romantic or sexual fantasies upon this partner is going to change the circumstances. Maybe it isn't really love for you either. Maybe it's just a romantic fantasy that you just can't let go of. I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of projecting a romantic fantasy onto a narcissistic partner. I wanted so badly to believe the initial romantic connection was based on real love, but it really wasn't. We all introduce fantasy into the act of falling in love, but in healthy relationships, there comes a time where we have to face reality and we need to introduce mature love into the picture so the relationship can evolve into a solid, stable relationship. Now, a narcissist can't make that leap. He or she can't break free of the fantasy. And so if you fail to fulfill the fantasy, which is inevitable, he or she will go in search of someone else that they believe can fulfill that fantasy and they will demonize you for your failure to be the perfect partner sometimes after the narcissist leaves and then realizes that the next idealized partner has also failed them they may look back at you with new eyes and resurrect the fantasy of you as the savior if you fall for the hoover, which we call it, you'll be sucked right back into the same dynamic where you are idealized in the beginning and then devalued after you fail to be the perfect partner again. The only reason we ourselves go back into this dynamic for a second or third or fourth time is that we haven't let go of the fantasy either. We need to believe in the illusion of love ourselves. We have difficulty accepting that it was only ever an illusion. 
I don't bring the story of Gabby Petito into the podcast to introduce fear, but to bring another level of awareness. Narcissists and sociopaths are ticking time bombs, and you need to be mindful of this. If you have difficulty accepting that the person you are with or trying to break away from might be a narcissist or a sociopath, at the very least, maybe you can accept that the relationship was toxic. Those who are controlling, possessive, jealous, rageful, and constantly attacking your character are toxic for you. And these kinds of relationships just are not healthy. That person's attempt to control you is an attempt to control their own fears and insecurities. There's nothing you can do to fix or heal this in that person. The healthiest thing you can do for yourself is to get away and get the healing that you need so that you don't get into or stay in relationships like this in the future. It's too late for Gabby. May her precious soul rest in peace. It's a really sickening story. It's, it's a story that none of us really want to hear about. So let us send her and her family our prayers. But let's also learn from her story so that her death isn't in vain. Get out of toxic relationships before her story becomes your story. Now, if you need help healing from a toxic relationship or breaking free from one, please contact me. I would be happy to work with you to help you to break free. So you can learn more about my work with narcissistic abuse at NarcissismFree.com. So I want to thank you so much for listening today, and I will see you in the next podcast. Thank you.